We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Hello and welcome to another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz. Today joined just by Cole Manbeck as we uh, get you ready for K-State in Kansas. Coming up tomorrow in Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, a solid week for the Cats last week. Very close loss in a real knockdown dragout matchup in Ames. And then a blowout of the Florida Gators that was uh, the most comfortable win K-State has had in a minute on Saturday at Bramlage. Of course... I'm sure a lot of people were uh, celebrating with some 360 vodka, some Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon after the Cats whooped up on Florida over the weekend. It was a blast. Bramwich Coliseum was awesome. Uh, so a great time to have all of that flowing. Whether you prefer your vodka, whether you're a bourbon guy, check both of them out. We've been getting rave reviews uh, on the Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon. If you're a bourbon drinker, make sure to try it and give Holiday Distillery a chance. They support us, so support those who support us. Great K-State folks helping us out here on the pod. All right, K-State wins. They knock off Florida uh, 64 to 50, I believe was the final score there. But, uh, you know, things got a little interesting at the end. That was really a game that K-State controlled. Probably should have won by about 20. I saw the the analogy. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Was that in the group chat? Was it on KSO? I don't know, somewhere. So K-State was kind of playing with their food uh, for the second half of that game after building a, a big lead in the first half. And I think that is uh, I think that is pretty appropriate. I think that's about what happened there. And just nice, man. I mean, my, my first initial thought on it was just fun day that was low stress, uh, which was much needed because some of these games, I mean, Texas Tech at home was very stressful. Kansas at home was very stressful. The Iowa State game on the road was very, very stressful. Uh, it was just nice to kind of like just like exhale uh, for a day and know that you were, you were beating up on a power five opponent. This is what, like, there should be games like that in a conference schedule when you don't play in like a, a super league, like you don't play in the, the champions league, like, like you do in the big 12 every single night. Yeah, no, I completely agree, John. It was a, it was nice to have kind of a relaxing victory where you never really felt like it was in threat. I mean, Florida cut it to 11 in the second half, but you knew at that point K-State would have an answer and another run in them. They came out a little lethargic in the second half after building that that 21-point halftime lead. But really just 
a dominant first half and uh, set the tone for that second half and and what was a, a relatively easy victory, which, you know, look, Florida is a team in the upper half of the SEC. They're the, the sixth best SEC team by record, five and three in the league, had won five of their last six games. They were top 50 in the net rankings. Joe Lenardi had them on his next four out for the NCAA tournament. So that's a bubble team that was desperate for a win like that coming into Kansas State that would have probably put them close to the right side of the bubble had they gotten it because they need marquee victories in case they just thoroughly dominated them. Like, you know, that that's the thing. Like, you play in a tremendous league, the best league in the country, and then you have a team like Florida roll in that that is a respectable power six opponent in college basketball, and and you just destroy them. And so that's that's a very encouraging thing. And uh, K-State now 12-0 and at home. And really just controlling. And I think I think I saw their best start at home since 1971, 72 or, or no, 97-98. I'm sorry. It was uh, the 97-98 season best start at home. Uh, but obviously, K-State's played a few more quality opponents here on their home court. And uh, that's more impressive what they're doing. So protecting the home court. Great atmosphere. It's a lot of fun. Like I just said to you off air, John, Bramlage Coliseum, bas- K-State basketball is an event now going to Bramlage. It's, it's fun. Every Saturday weeknight games will be fun too, but these Saturday games are just, just awesome. You know, having a pack Bramlage on, on Saturday afternoons, uh, that that's where it's at. I, I love having that back. Well, it's kind of a payoff for the bad luck early on in the season where you had the Wichita state game on the same night as the big 12 championship game. And then you had the first conference game against West Virginia, the same night as the Sugar Bowl, uh, you're getting paid back a little bit with all these Saturday home games and in, in conference play and then the SEC Challenge back to back to back. And I, I agree. That is, man, that was the game, I think partially because it was a game that K-State was in control of and you could let your hair down more. But that to me was, yeah, in a way the most fun. Like, I mean, Kansas had incredible highs um, at the end, but it was it was so stressful and I just felt tight and nervous energy for a lot of the game. This was like just everybody having a blast, you know, from the student sections, student section doing the, the, the mock chomp, the Gator chomp at, uh, at Florida during a timeout, like the sec chance um, air ball, like just stuff that everybody's on top of. And it was so loud. And I actually, I mean, Cole, you know, this, I got a different perspective. I was on the other side of the arena uh, for this game than what I had been. And so it's the opposite side of the students. So, it was almost cooler in a way to be over there to, to like watch all of that happen and get a better scope of what was going on there instead of where our tickets are, which are like right next to the student section. So you don't, you don't, you don't get that full view of it. And uh, you don't also like realize how loud it is when it's beside you, as opposed to when it's coming straight at you. So like, I just kudos to everybody all the way around, you know I mean? You even all the way down to the, the KSU chants that are just so loud and pronounced now and everybody seems to be making a big point of emphasis to not only do that, but make sure that it's really loud and clear that it's, it's KSU and not, not FKU anymore. Right. I mean, which still just blows my mind. We could talk about it every single week on this podcast, the, the accomplishment that that has been uh, for Tang and his staff, but they've done exactly what they set out to do, man. When he said, but my vision here was to make it a place where it's full and a great environment and people show up because they love the cats and not because of hating someone else. I mean, that like we're there, we're there, and it is it is an event, and uh, the students are showing up. Everybody else is ready for it. The Texas ticket is harder to get than a ticket to Allen Fieldhouse to go see K State KU on Tuesday. Um, that's where we're at right now with with what Bramlage is, and uh, we all knew that it could be that. We've seen it be that before, um, but the fact that we're here as quickly as we are under Jerome Tang is just awesome. 
Well, you, you said it like the, the first of all, the secondary market for K-State basketball games, especially on Saturdays, is just nuts. I mean, the Florida game, there were tickets going for 150 plus. The cheapest ticket heading into Saturday was right around $100 to get into a non-con game against Florida uh, in Bramlage. And the Texas game is, is even more expensive. I'm sure the Iowa State game will be similar. It's becoming a hot ticket to see the Cats play uh, in Bramlage. And the thing that really impresses me, John, is the students – have this thing packed to the brim every section with 15, 20 minutes before tip off. I mean, they're, they're packing people in. They're having to make announcements every game to squeeze in tight because we're expecting a full capacity crowd. And they're squeezing everybody up to the very last row in the student section, all the way over to section 25 above the tunnel. Uh, The students are just fully bought in and it's a fun brand of basketball too. And so you've got them now to where they've witnessed this and they love it. And so they're going to keep coming back. You got a great team and you got a fun style of basketball and they love Jerome Tang and this coaching staff. And so you've now started to change the culture already in year one within the fan base and within the students that K-State basketball is on the rise. And it is fun again to, to be in Bramlage Coliseum for these games. And so uh, you mentioned being over on the other side of the court. I occasionally sit over there uh, with Tom and I love sitting over there too, because like you said, you're looking right across at the student section, you see everything they do, but also you get the crowd noise coming toward you from the students. So you get a better sense of just how loud it is where we sit, you and me, um, you know, we're near the top on the student side. So we, we don't have quite that feeling. I mean, it's still loud, but it, it's totally different on the other side with that noise going toward the bench of, of the opponent. So yeah, it's uh, it's great. It, I can't wait for Saturday against Texas again. This team continues to protect its home court. Look forward to making the trips back always to Manhattan for these games and uh, really just just taking it in. Like, I'm kind of bummed, John. We've only got two games left in our five-game plan. Like, I'm starting to, you know, get FOMO, and I, I think you and I are going to have to get a weeknight game and, and make another trip. So, yeah. I think that, I think that TCU game is like at eight, so that, that's that's a little more doable uh, yeah. for me to be able to get out, get out of work and get there. And when we talk about an event, I mean, the the K-State folks, shout out to everybody doing the in-game that's in charge of the in-game atmosphere and, and what's happening because that's been really good. And just some cool moments, again, like, you know, parties on, K-State's winning. We had the moment where they show R.J. Jones on the, the Jumbotron incoming recruit, which was so – I mean, that is so smart uh, if you're able to do that because he got a huge pop from the crowd. Like, And so now there's a guy – I know he was already – he was he was coming here. It's not like you had to really worry about that, but that just reinforces to these high level recruits like, hey, these are fans that really care about you. They already know who you are uh, before you're even on the team, and and this is going to be a great place to go. Not only seeing the atmosphere throughout the game, but having it personally come to you, uh, that's awesome. And you're creating an awesome memory, and that's helping build a bond with the fans before he even shows up. So like that was really well done. Then of course you have the uh, obligatory Bill Snyder. Uh, shot later in the game that also just, you know, when people are in party mode and you show Bill Snyder, that's, you know, it's giving, it's feeding red meat to the, to the Lions, right? <laughs> so that, it was just, there were so many moments like that throughout the game that just kept it feeling so damn fun. The, uh, the staff thinks of every little detail. Their attention to detail is phenomenal. And to have RJ Jones, who's a signee, so they can actually highlight him on the Jumbotron because he's already signed for the 2023 class was really brilliant. And I was impressed with the crowd reaction. Like, I, I thought a lot of people would just be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I don't don't necessarily know who he is, but I mean, everybody erupted. It was one of the loudest moments in the day. And people have to remember that R.J. Jones, he visited K-State in August. 
he hasn't he hasn't been to an event like this with K-State. Like he was here before the students were even back for the fall semester, didn't go to a football game, didn't see like what the crowd was like. You know, it's hard to envision what it's like at Kansas State necessarily unless you experience a game. And for him to come to a packed Ramlage Coliseum and get that type of ovation, you saw the smile on his face and his dad, or I think it was his parents sitting there. Uh, you could see them really light up as well. I think they were pretty blown away by that. Um, and it was just a really cool moment to have. And you mentioned it, the Snyder moment as well. So, uh, and the, I think the impact of that, John, is, yeah, he's already signed, but he's probably texting Day-Day Ames, Michaela Rich. Like, you would not believe what the crowd reaction was. They're probably sharing that video, K-State is, with some other recruits. You know, hey, look what happens. You sign here. They love you. Uh, and, you know, RJ Jones may be connected to other recruits that they're after. You know, they're, we don't have DY on today, but the recruiting game, is starting to rise. I mean, obviously they have a top 15, top 20 class coming in in 2023, but some of these 2024 kids they're chasing, there's a, there's some borderline five-star guys. David Castillo, you know, from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, just visited for the Texas Tech game on an official visit and looked like he was having a good time and and they're fighting it out for him. I mean, they are recruiting at another level right now. Yeah, uh, only going to continue to go up, you know. I mean, they're already recruiting at that level without having really anything to show for it. Now they've got winning and the the crowd and Bramlage and everything else to sell. Uh, man, I mean, there's just so much positive momentum, so much positive momentum right now. As far as the the actual game goes, uh, your, your two studs, um, you know, Marquise Noel, it was not the 30-point game that you would get sometimes from him, but he was flirting with the triple-double, you know. Again, speaking of obligatory things, he, he messed around and almost had a triple-double. Um what, 13, 9, and 8, um, got got pretty close. And I know he said he was aware of it. I, I think, you know, there was a moment late in the game where he was still out there, and I was like, okay, I know they're clearly chasing this for him, but uh, unfortunately we're not able to get it done. But I, I felt like Keese was, like, really in his zone from just being a distributor in the game. You know, that was like that was like hardcore point guard Keese as opposed to, you know, scoring Steph Curry uh, sort of guard, which we've seen those outbursts out of him before too. But I mean, the first half, like the way he was dishing off the ball, how many times did he get somebody to dunk uh, just from slicing in and dropping the ball off? It felt like it happened about 10 times um, in that game. And, you know, there have been games where the assist numbers have been really high. Like the Texas game, the assist numbers are really high because like there's 116 points scored. This was not that type of game. So you weren't going to get as big as just like raw numbers. But I think in terms of what he was doing to slice up a defense and control a game, uh, this this is up there with his best performances. Oh, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, you mentioned it, a lot of the drives where he just dumps it off, you know, passes it two feet behind him, draws in two defenders trying to block his shot, and he just drops it off to Gasson or to Tomlin, and uh, they had multiple layups and dunks via that. I mean, he had eight assists in the first half. It's hard to imagine that he only finished with eight assists. He didn't get one in the second half. Unfortunately, there, there were some nice pl- passes that he made, uh, but Florida was able to protect the rim. Naquan Tomlin got blocked a couple of times trying to go up, and that's a credit to Florida for, for making a play at the rim there. But, uh, yeah, I thought Marquise played an all-around complete game and you know now has 173 assists on the season. And what's really remarkable about that, I mean, not only does he only need 14 more to break the single-season record at Kansas State, Steve Henson's record, but he has 173 assists, and the leader in the Big 12 for all of last season was James Akinjo at 170 for Baylor. So he already has more assists and he's got 10 games left in the regular season than anybody had in the big 12 all of last season. Uh, He's going to shatter that. In fact, he's got more assists, John, 
than any Big 12 player since 2018-2019 season when Alex Robinson of TCU had 230. Uh, he'll probably break that as well. And and we'll start to maybe look at the numbers. He has a ways to go to challenge the all-time Big 12 record. But, uh, you know, he's having a, a heck of a year. And uh, just thought, I, I think you're right. He was really dishing the ball and just, you know, getting nine rebounds. The thing about Marquise is when it comes to rebounding is he's just so quick. Like he's able to get a lot of those long shot rebounds. He's just quick to the ball and he's always playing with 100% effort. And, uh, you know, I thought K-State's guards rebounded well you know, as well, Cam Carter had five rebounds. Um, Desi had five rebounds. And then obviously Noel had nine. Uh, that was a big storyline in the game. K-State, you know, got out rebounded at Iowa State and that was backbreaking. Iowa State had 17 second chance points on non- nine offensive rebounds. And down the stretch, they had three offensive rebounds uh, where K-State could have tied it on the next possession or took the lead. And Iowa State was able to convert those three offensive rebounds into seven points. So they scored every time that killed him in that game. And Jerome Tang made it a point of emphasis that we're going to, we're going to have to get better at rebounding. Um, that's been a struggle for them on the defensive glass and they out rebound Florida 49 to 36, give up six offensive rebounds. Now to be fair, Florida is 282nd in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. So it's not a great old rebounding team, but I thought K-State made a real concerted effort to attack the glass and did a nice job. Yeah. I was going to say, you think they, they heard a little bit about the rebounding after Iowa state. And I mean, Tang kind of called everybody out um, after the Iowa State game, the bigs in particular. I know we're talking a lot about guards rebounding, but uh, certainly this goes for the entire team. But what was it like the three bigs had to combine? How many rebounds was it against Iowa State? Like one or two? Well, Bebe, Bebe, Tomlin, and Masood combined for zero boards. Zero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Zero. There you go. So, yeah, Jerome Tang said that, that, like, we can't have that. I don't think they're ever going to be a great rebounding team, but you need to at least be able to hold your own. And, yeah, you saw it just kill them down the stretch in Ames and, and really be the difference in the game. The, the other big storyline here is Keontae Johnson, obviously making his return against Florida. Uh, really cool story with him getting to reunite with the trainer uh, who saved his life after, after he collapsed on the court a couple of years ago. Um, seeing some old teammates, familiar faces there. Was not his most efficient game, certainly, and he did go for the highlight reel. Uh, Cartier shot a windmill dunk, which did not end well. Um, but hey, in like a 20 point game, I'm, I'm all right with him with him going for it. But all things considered, I don't know, it didn't feel like a game. I was a little concerned it would be a game where Keontae would be just turning it over a lot, trying to do too much the entire game. The stat line, you might look at it five of 16 and, and think there was some of that. And maybe to an, a, a degree, I guess there was. But I didn't think it was I didn't think it was too bad. I thought Keontae, for the most part, stayed within himself. And, you know, every everything worked out pretty well as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, 5 of 16 from the floor, not his most efficient shooting performance, but 11 rebounds, thought he played hard, didn't turn the ball over as much. Uh, you know, I, I was worried about impressing a little bit. That that's, that's a hard situation for him to encounter. You know, like you mentioned, his trainer being on the bench, Castleton, guys like Castleton. I mean, Castleton's been there three years at Florida. You know, he's he's known a lot of those guys. Now, they have a lot of transfers at Florida, but there's still three or four guys on that team that, that he knows and has relationships with and he's playing against on the court. And it's not like he left on bad terms, you know, it's a, it was a, just a difficult situation. And so I'm sure that was tough for him to encounter and, and have to play Florida. And uh, I thought he handled it well from an emotional standpoint and wish he could have got that dunk because uh, Bramlage, the roof yeah. came off the place and uh, we would have been seeing Keontae on uh, sports center top 10, which has become uh, a routine for Kansas state basketball this year. But uh, unfortunately, that didn't go down, but that's okay. I mean, 13 and 11. You know, it, it's interesting about Keontae, John. Anytime I feel like he's having 
what I would consider for him to be a bad game. I look up at the end and I'm like, he had a double double. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's the the thing about him. Like he'll have some first halves, like the KU game. You know, I think he had what, like four points in the first. I can't remember what he had. He, he, he didn't score in the first 12 minutes of the second half of the KU game. And then all of a sudden he goes on a run and has the game winning alley-oop and, you know, he, he can just turn it on at any point. And the thing about him, like, he's just, he's such a tremendous rebounder for a guy that's six, five, six, six, that just goes up and gets the ball and, you know, credit to him for doing that because it, it takes a lot of effort to do that, play hard on the defensive end and then have to give him, give K-State what they need on the offensive side from him. And yeah, I thought, I thought he was tremendous. And then obviously I think, I think David Gasson, that's another storyline we're going to hit on. I, I thought having him back was huge. And going forward, if he can stay healthy, that's big for this basketball team. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, K-State just desperately needs what Keontae gives them on the glass. And and you're right. Like, that's why you can always count on that. It's never never like an effort thing with Keontae at all. It's, it's just – and to me, it's been the turnover. So, like, I almost – I'll take five for 16 as long as it's not six turnovers because it means he's he's at least getting shots up. I think generally – if he's getting shots up, like things are going to be going pretty well. You know, it was like halfway through the season, he was still shooting like what 50% from three and like 60% from the field. I mean, he, he needs to be getting shots up. And if he can cut down on those turnovers, which teams had kind of figured out his little move, his, his little spin uh, that was getting poked away quite a bit. That to me is very encouraging. If, if those are going to be cut down, I can live with a five for 16, but Gasson, I mean, it's a great point. Like think, thinking about this team, and like where where they're at right now, everything they've already accomplished and the fact that they've done it, basically, I mean, all the, the heavy lifting of this season has been accomplished without David Gasson, basically, um, who I think is clearly a, a superior big to to Bebe and nothing against Bebe, who I, I think brings some valuable traits to the floor. But like they are just better with Gasson, who allows them, I think, to be better in transition when they're running and trying to get the ball to him on the run. Uh, he allows them to be better defensively. He allows them to be better on the glass. And it, this this dude's been gone. So you're talking about a team that already is in the conversation, at least, for like a top three seed. And now you're adding in a pretty nice, solid piece to solidify what has been K-State's biggest weakness, which is, you know, defending down low and, and being on the glass. Uh, I, the Iowa State game, for example, when, when Gasson doesn't play, K-State was just getting torched, not only on the glass, but just inside by Osinsami. Do I have his name right there? <laughs> yeah. They were just getting killed by, by this one big. And now you've got an opportunity to, to stand tall against that a little bit more with Gasson coming back. So, like, what's what's the ceiling of this team down the stretch? I mean, they, they've got an extra piece here now. Well, first of all, the, the blessing in disguise with Gasson having missed the time that he did, you would have loved to have had him. But I, I think they built more depth. You know, you look at a guy like Ish Masood, who's now carved out a role um, within this team and is playing really well for K-State. Now he had five points. I thought he, he rebounded really well on Saturday. Masood, he had six boards, you know, continues to play hard. So you built more depth, but now you get Gasson back. And I think Gasson is just a game changer on the defensive side of the floor. Now he had nine points on four or five shooting. His ability to just catch the ball and finish, that's great. One thing I, I saw for him Saturday on the offensive end that I hadn't really seen a lot of yet, was the move that he made on Castleton where he drop stepped him and, you know, got him up in the air. That was a great post move. And I hadn't seen a lot of actual post back to the basket type moves from Gasson yet. That was tremendous. So he's got it on the offensive end, but I think where he really helps K-State is just his ability to rotate on the defensive end because he's versatile and he can guard multiple positions. Bebe is just not quite as quick as him. And so when teams do a, a pick, you know, they set a screen up top and Bebe has to switch onto a guard. He's not quite as able to, 
stay in front of those guys, be as quick and agile. And so defenders are having to kind of cheat off their guy to help. And I think that's where K-State has been hurt on the rebounding end, John, is when you've got guys constantly having to rotate, you know, to, to get into mismatches and the switches and you've got guards then trying to box out bigs because you're, you're, ro- you're, you're rotating all over the court. I think that impacted things. And now you have Gasson back. You don't have to rotate quite as much. He's able to guard. You're not in scramble mode. And as a result, I don't think it's a coincidence. This is from KSU underscore fan uh, from yesterday. He tweeted that this was Florida's worst offensive efficiency game in the Ken Palm era, which goes all the way back to 2002. Uh, Now, it's not a great Florida offense. I think they were 112th in the country in offensive efficiency. They were an elite defense. They were 13th in the country in defensive efficiency coming to the game. But it's no coincidence that K-State was just lights out defensively with David Gasson on the floor playing, I think, 20-plus minutes, and also that they out-rebounded him 49-36 to because David Gasson is out there on the floor. Guys are in position more to get the rebound. Uh, and, you know, that, that's just a big point of emphasis. One other note on, you know, when you look at the, the previous six games, previous five games, the Iowa State game included, not counting Florida, you know, K-State had given up 73 offensive rebounds and been outscored 82-37 to on second-chance points. And obviously they, they corrected that against Florida. So that's a big deal. And then, you know, points at the rim has been a big problem. You know, K-State entered the Florida game at 312th in the country in rim percentage defense. That's from KSU underscore fan last week. Uh, you know, you look at Iowa State, they were 13 of 15 at the rim. You know, Texas was 16 of 20 at the rim. Baylor 10 of 11. KU 12 of 17 against K-State. You get a guy like Gasson back that starts to ease a little bit. And I, I thought K-State was much better defending the rim against Florida. If we're talking about the the overall supporting cast that they have right now, I mean, I, I mentioned this with Gasson. It's it's like getting a bonus player here midway through the season. Um, but you talked about Big 12-ish, who obviously is a totally different player, looks so much more confident, comes in, and it's just a sniper for you, like seems to have totally fulfilled that role, is doing more on the defensive end, becoming a more complete player. But like Cam Carter has had his moments. He was great in Ames. Um and I just I love the potential of Cam with the defense that he already plays, the ability he has to get to the rim with him. I think it's you know learning to consistently finish, but I will take what is there, you know, to be molded. I mean, my goodness, I think he's going to be a really good player by the time he's done. We've seen Desi Desi Sills kind of comes and goes, like it seems like feast or famine. But he you know he helped you beat Kansas. He had a huge game against Kansas, um, and now some others have really stepped up since then for him. So. I, I, Gary Parrish made this point on the pod, right? Like this is not just a ragtag bunch of guys that are being coached miraculously. It's not like this is not like Bill Snyder 2.0 teams, right? You know, it's like you got Jonathan Truman walk on at linebacker that they've transformed into a, a pretty good Big 12 player somehow. Like, no, these are dudes. I mean, like Cam Carter's a dude. Um, Ish Masood, when he's shooting like that, he's he's a dude. David Gasson can be a dude. Desi Sills started on an Elite Eight team in Arkansas. Like they they, they have legitimate players, and I think. I'll be interested to see how you react to this. I mean, Noel and and Johnson obviously have lifted their play in Big 12 play from where they were at before. But I don't know. It's almost like the the supporting cast has has come along even further. Uh, I, I feel like since where the team was at in non-con to, to put together what they actually are right now. Well, I think there's the capability on any given night for another guy to step forward. And I do think they've developed much more depth. I mean, you just look at a guy like Masood who's – bailed them out a couple different times. I mean, the Baylor game, he had, what, 13? And had the what proved to be the game-winning three in overtime of that game. And he had 12 or 13 against Texas Tech and really made 
two of the biggest plays against the Red Raiders in that game when he got an offensive rebound put back when they were down eight to really spark the run and hit a three to pull him within one of that game. So he stepped up in big moments and he just looks like he's playing very confident out there. You mentioned Cam Carter. You know, people have to remember that Cam Carter hardly played at Mississippi State as a true freshman last season. And so he's just now starting to, I think, find his groove. And he's been really good defensively all year. He's an elite defensive player. He's a long guard. Uh, I think he's he's just got the upside of a Barry Brown type on the defensive side of the floor, but maybe even better because he's he's longer than Barry. I mean, he's a bigger guard. Uh, and so as he continues to develop, I think his last two games now, he's 9-12 from the floor. Uh, shooting for 24 points combined. I thought he was really good against Florida. He had nine, felt like he actually had more, but he had four assists too. I thought he really handled the ball, took care of the ball uh, well. And so uh, I think he's stepping forward. And then, you know, you look at Gasson, you look at Desi Sills. I, I think the encouraging thing about this, John, is, you know, like you said, they, they've won two of their last three and Desi Sills given them a combined three points in those three games but you know he has the capability to go off. We've seen it multiple times. I think this is a guy in his five-year career that scored over 20 points 15 or more times. And so, and to do it against KU, score 24, that shows you what his talent level is. He's just in a little bit of a slump right now, but you know he's going to come out of that. He's a veteran guy. And so once you start getting him going again, I mean, there's just, there's so many different guys that can step forward that that really weren't there earlier in the year. And I think you you start to feel more and more comfortable um, with the depth that this team has built and that you can play nine guys and feel pretty comfortable with who you have out there on the court. So I really wanted him to get that hammer to go down. Uh, yeah. he, he almost punched that dunk in, which would have been awesome. And I hope that would have got his confidence going, but you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe the, the slump buster is the Kansas Jayhawks because Desi huh. was, uh, he was, he was pretty damn good against Kansas the first time around. Uh, let's, let's talk a little uh, K-State and Allen Fieldhouse after another break next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, John and Cole with you on 3MA. We uh, we have arrived here at the rematch between K-State and Kansas. I was told on uh, on Twitter by Scott Pollard in the immediate aftermath of the uh, the win in Manhattan that uh, K-State is a tough team, but the game will not be close in Lawrence. So here we are. Uh, Cole, I know that you are brimming with confidence about this matchup, so... Please, if you could, uh, you know, clap back at Scott Pollard here on uh, on the podcast, so we could get a feud going with uh, uh, former Kansas Jayhawk. That would be great. No, uh, well, you know, Mitch Lightfoot too. You know, that's always he's one of my all time favorites at the University of Kansas. You know? I mean, can I say this? This is, this is a hot take. Some people won't like this. His his tweet with the rings was actually, I mean, that that's pretty well played. Like, you know, if we're gonna be honest here, that's that's pretty well played. Now. Was he being a whiny little you-know-what in the aftermath of the game? Yes, he very much was. But he does kind of have a trump card there with those, those rings. Well, I, I enjoyed the uh, the the uh, Photoshop job putting the stat lines of each season next to his rings of him producing around two points a game and, you know, a couple rebounds. Um, but, no, I mean, look, he played for the University of Kansas, so and he was a top 150 recruit as well. He would have probably put up better numbers if what? he got more playing time. Yeah, do you not know Mitch Lightfoot was a top 150? I thought he was like a walk-on. No. Mitch no. Lightfoot, people offered Mitch Lightfoot scholarships? Yeah, yeah, Mitch That's Lightfoot. That happened? He was a four-star recruit, John. Multiple schools offered Mitch Lightfoot scholarships. Yeah, yeah, four-star recruit. Um, I do I not. I refuse to believe that multiple schools offered. Well, Mitch uh, you should. Well, I'm talking. You should. You should Google search this. Check his offers. But anyways, I digress. We know that. Like, I push back a little on heading into this game. Uh, for in terms of confidence, like, look, I've I've just witnessed so many beatdowns in Lawrence. Uh, now, to be fair. K-State has went into Allen Fieldhouse a couple of different times with Bruce Weber teams and had a chance to win uh, in the final possession, which were both times were very unexpected moments, to be honest. I mean, it was the Barry and Dean Wade teams both times. Uh, Barry had a shot, you know, took a three at the buzzer to win the game um, one year. And then the next year, obviously, we know the Svi travel and didn't go to overtime like it should have. Uh, but I digress. There's been a couple of moments where they've had a real opportunity, but when K-State is a top 10, top 15 team heading into Allen Fieldhouse, especially in a revenge spot for KU, that's where I become a little more hesitant. A team that's lost three straight Big 12 games, uh, a team that lost already in Bramlage Coliseum, so it's a revenge spot for them against their rival. Uh, they're going to be really, really fired up. It's going to be a hornet's nest, a buzzsaw walking into Allen Fieldhouse, and I'll be curious how K-State handles it. Now, it's a veteran team, I think they'll handle it okay, but I, I just I, I just can't see K State winning this game. Uh, and maybe that's not fair, but it's just been ingrained in me growing up to not see K State win in Allen Fieldhouse like most teams, but especially K State. Um, you know, but then again, who saw the 2006 game coming, right? So this team's obviously much better than that team. 
So, you know, you never know. And I, I obviously, I don't think this is one of KU's most talented teams. You know, they don't have much depth. But, yeah, but, they don't uh, have a Miss Lightfoot on this team. <laughs> yeah, and they got they got banged up a little bit against Kentucky. Um, one of their reserve bigs was in a boot um, during the second half of that game. And then uh, Kevin McCuller rolled his ankle. Now, he finished the game, but he looked like he was struggling to walk on it a little bit. So, we'll see how he is. Um, not that Kevin McCuller has been great for them, but uh, still, they don't they don't have a lot of bodies yeah, on the bench. I, I, would, I would prefer that Kevin McCuller play. I would prefer that Kevin McCuller be out there, especially a hobbled Kevin McCuller, because that man, uh, college kid. Okay, I, let me just leave it at that. I would prefer that Kevin McCuller play and play a lot. Why do I just have this terrible feeling he'll go off now, like hit like five threes against K State to atone for his his previous performance in Manhattan. I hope not, but uh, look, KU is going to shoot it better than they did in Manhattan. Uh, they, they went six to 29 from three K state's the best three point defense in the big 12 K state's 11th in the country in three point percentage defense on the entire season. Uh, they've been terrific there. Now the numbers are probably going to even out a little bit more. Uh, I think Grady Dick, he'll probably have a better shooting performance than he did. He went one of eight in Bramlage. I don't think Jalen Wilson's going to put up 38 again. Um, so that should level off a little bit, but, uh, all in all, I'm just, I'm eager to see how K-State comes out and performs, especially in their, those first few minutes of the game when it's going to be an absolute buzzsaw. Uh, how do they handle that? I think Noel, Keontae, those guys, they've been through this before. So I think they'll, they'll hopefully keep the team calm, not get too sped up. Jerome Tang has coached in that building for a long, long time. He knows all about it. He'll be able to prep this team, uh, for what's coming. Yurik Malagi, he's coached in that building several times as well on Texas staff, on Texas Tech staff. So they've got guys that have been through it. They know what's coming. Um, so I I think it'll be uh, – I think KU will win, but I think it'll be a competitive game. You know, I don't think KU is going to beat them by 20-plus or even 15-plus. I think we're looking at like a 10-point or under type margin of victory for KU. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. I, I, I'm with you. I, I've been kind of giving you grief because I, I've been saying, especially after the game in Ames, I was like, guys, like, they, I mean, Ames, that is not a cakewalk to go in there. I mean, that's a play. They were chanting FK State the whole game, and I, I'm reading, you know, Chris Williams, uh, my guy at Iowa State, has been covering them for a long time, talking about how different, you know, similar things being said about Bramlage right now that he's saying about Hilton this season, you know, just a different kind of edge to it. And uh, even from where it's been when it's good. So like that was a really tough environment that they went into and they just went blow for blow uh, with, with Iowa state in that game, who by the way, might be a better team than Kansas. Um, and, and then you look at what KU has done at home this year, down 15 at the half to Oklahoma state. They're down 10 with five minutes left against Oklahoma. They just got absolutely mollywhomped by TCU. I mean, destroyed, decleated by TCU, who was missing Eddie Lampkin, you know, or at least a healthy Eddie Lampkin for a good portion of that game. Uh, it's a one-possession game with Iowa State uh, with a, a chance for the clones to win late in that game. Like, it just – everything would tell you, like, this is this is very doable. This is a much more mortal Kansas team at home than what they have been. Um, plus, K-State has shown in a raucous road environment that is as similar as you can get to, to – uh, Allen Fieldhouse short of being a road team in Bramwich Coliseum in this conference. I don't know. I just think there's a lot that would that would lay out there to tell you that this this should be a game K-State absolutely competes in. But yes, I do have the the long-standing trauma of everything that's happened in, in Allen Fieldhouse before. And I went twice during the Frank Martin era when I was geeked up in a young 
student, you know, bright tailed, but bright eyed, bushy tailed, whatever. Um, you know, I made the trip to Allen Fieldhouse a couple of times there only to see K-State down by 20 by the first media timeout. You know, I mean, it felt like that was Frank's specialty to go into Allen and be down 15, four minutes into the game. So I get it. And when when K-State has had better teams, it feels to me like Kansas, you know, when they get KU's attention, when you poke the bear here, you generally get a really good effort out of out of Kansas. Uh, I've also been there plenty of times as a media member covering the games. And like, I just, you know, I know how it goes. I know how it usually goes. Um, those are the competing kind of ideologies in my head right now, but I've, I've adopted this strategy Cole, And I've been, I've been doing it since the, the end of the football season when I finally like gained a lot of trust in what the football team was doing. I, I just started being like, okay, I'm going to throw my hands up and say like, this team is good. I need to just, not worry so much about what's going to happen or getting blown out or whatever, and just trust in this team. And I feel like this basketball team and this staff has kind of earned my trust now to where I say, I'm not going to freak out and panic too much about what's going to happen here. And just say like, I'm going to let these guys go out and do their thing and handle it because they've, they've just proven time and again to be that way. And I will remind you, one of the times I remember thinking that the most was actually at the big 12 championship game. When I was telling you, I was like, Cole, like, it's like, Oh, this is over. I'm like, Cole, Cole, look, this team's found a way. Like this, this yeah. team is good. They're going to be fine. So I'm, I'm trying to do that to you a little bit right now. Channel that Arlington energy right now as I try and tell you to, to not freak out too much about going into Allen Fieldhouse this week. Well, I mean, I'm not freaked out. I mean, I kind of, I'm going into it just excited to see what they do with the opportunity and not, not necessarily expecting them to come out with a win, right? But uh, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see how they perform on that stage. Look, this is a team that's been really good on the road. Obviously, one at Texas, one at Baylor. Now it's a different atmosphere at KU, but Hilton Coliseum, that atmosphere is top tier as well, a top 10 atmosphere in college basketball. And K-State went in there and withstood a couple of runs from Iowa State and was right there with an opportunity to win that game. So I don't think they're going to be phased necessarily by the moment. What What is unique about this, John, is not only is it a revenge game uh, for Kansas, but also K-State in all likelihood. Now we're recording this Monday morning. K-State in all likelihood is going to be ranked ahead of KU in a game in Allen Fieldhouse. When was the last time that happened? I mean, I we'd have to go back through the archives to find that. I, I would expect both teams went one and one last week. KU had a nice win at Kentucky. K-State beat Florida. was very close in a game, obviously, against Iowa State. So I don't think K-State's going to drop too much. And uh, I don't think KU will pass them up in the polls. So that's, uh, that's just adding to the intrigue for it. K-State hasn't swept the regular season matchups against KU since 1983. So you're, you're talking about making history goes back a long time. Um, I'm just, I'm just excited to see how this coaching staff and how these guys handle the opportunity. And bottom line is like, if you play competitively, I'm not a moral victory guy, but uh, if you go in there and play well and, and lose, so be it. I just hope this team can go two and one in the next three games. And if they do that, whether it's beating KU and winning one of the next two at home, or if it's defending your home court and beating Texas Saturday at home and TCU at home next Tuesday night, that I think they're in a great position as long as they go two and one. I mean, that, that they put themselves in a real good spot to have a share of the Big 12 championship at the end of the season if they can do that. Yeah, that, that's really the thing. Like, I know we all want this game for, for rivalry reasons and, and everything that, you know, the obvious that I don't need to point out. But if we are talking about, like, the scope of the Big 12 championship race. I mean, it's far from a must-win kind of game. And and I'm not a big moral victory guy either, especially, you know, with the, the expectations reset on what this season is. But I actually came away from the game in Ames, like, kind of feeling better than I did before because they just 
handled so much. They were not having one of their better nights and they still found a way to be right there down the stretch. Uh, you know, if they could grab a rebound or two, they may well win that game in Hilton. So I came away kind of being like, all right, they can handle this. They can handle this sort of an atmosphere. And it gave me optimism for a game like this in, in Lawrence that they would be able to perform there. So it's kind of the same deal. You know, if they go and just keep playing really well and keep staying composed and showing me that they can hang and, and not lose their cool and get blown out in this sort of a game, I will leave still feeling pretty good about the, the chances to get a Big 12 championship. And this, listen, Jerome, my man, this is this is what you've been telling us, right? Like focus on the, the championships, not so much the – the hatred of one school, right? And that's that's kind of where I'm trying to come around to with it. Like it's it's not some must win. It would be great to have. I mean, if you get it, now we're we're really in business when you talk about a league championship. But just don't don't get derailed here. That's that's really what I'm looking for. I mean, first of all, on the Iowa State front, K State's a better basketball team than Iowa State. Um, you know, K State should have won that game, but didn't play anywhere near their A game. Uh, had one of their better shooting performances actually. Are, against- they, are they with with a healthy Caleb Grill? Caleb Grill. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Caleb Grill's averaging 10 points and five rebounds a game and they act like he's an all American there. All right. You know, cause he had a couple big time performances. Like he's fine, but, and I know he torched K state in Manhattan last year, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, not a huge Caleb Grill fan, especially after the little undercut movie performed oh. on Texas. Yeah. Well, don't, don't paint me to be a Caleb Grill fan. <laughs> that is, I'm far from a Caleb Grill fan. Um, I just had I had an Iowa State fan in my mentions like talking about is K-State fans not realize that that was an 80% healthy Iowa State team I was like K-State didn't have David Gasson didn't play in the game and uh, like you're really gonna you know Caleb Grill hit the biggest shot in the game really with that that three so look I I digress I I think K-State's more talented than Iowa State I mean look credit to what Otzelberger's done there because I don't I don't know how he's doing it with the talent on that team that they're they're doing what they're doing because I, I just don't think they look all that talented when I watch them play but they really play well together and they're a great defensive team uh, so this isn't meant to take shots at Iowa State I hope I don't have a bunch of them in my mentions that somehow find this podcast which they always seem to do uh, but you know on the the KU front on the actual on the court perspective. I, I think Gasson being back is a big factor as well because KJ Adams, they love to get him and pick and rolls and throw it up to him. And he had 15 in the first half against K-State in the previous matchup. And Gasson is much more able-bodied to defend that type of play, assuming Gasson is okay. You know, he did tweak his ankle and he came back into the game after it on Saturday. And so hopefully he's fine. And that's not something that nags him the rest of the year, but you know, and, and I have to credit my dad for talking about this because he always gives me grief that I don't give him any attribution. I'm supposed to be the watchdog on that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He's told you that, you know, he, he has told me for a while. He's like, if they could get Gasson back for the KU game in Lawrence, he thinks that's a game changer because of his ability to defend and rotate. Uh, so I have to give him, you know, credit for, uh, for saying that because he'll listen to this and I'll get a text afterwards if I don't um, about how I steal his stuff. So anyways, uh, so yeah, I think having Gasson back will be a big part of this game as well. And, uh, oh, looking forward to it, man. Uh, let's see what happens. Uh, at the very worst, go one and one this week, beat Texas on Saturday. If you drop the KU game and you're sitting at 19 and four and seven and three in the league with another quad one victory, uh, K-State's going to win the best resumes in college basketball. If K-State were to just protect their home court the rest of the way, John, so that's five more big 12 wins that, that gets them to 11 and seven, right? That would add four more quad one wins 
to their resume, all top 30 teams in the net rankings by far. It, it would be one of the best resumes that K-State basketball has ever put together. You know, we'd be talking about a three or four seed, even if they just get to 11 and seven. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say, I don't are they, would they flirt with the two that the, the Jacob Pullen, Tenen Clemente, Curtis Kelly team had? I mean, they could. Um, I think they'd probably be more inclined to be a three. What What's interesting about it is like you see Lenardi mocking them as a four seed currently in his projections. And it's like, why is it the last two times K-State won a share of the Big 12 title, uh, 2013 and then 2018-19 season, they ended up a four seed. Why, why, why is it always a four seed when they have great years? So hopefully they well, can get above that. I mean, there were some bumps in the road. On yeah, I know. 18-19, that, that team, that non-con, that, <laughs> this, that Tulsa game. We'll not forget that one anytime soon. Yeah. Like 40 points. Um, so there, there have been some reasons for that. This team should not get treated like that, though, because of, of the resume they put together. Uh, you, you are correct about that. Uh, okay. Any any closing closing thoughts here? Any, anything we missed? Anything you want to say to the people? Well, what what time are you picking me up to head down to the Fieldhouse? You know, Tuesday. Not doing that. Not doing that. Listen, I I I am trying to be the confident guy here, and I I love you, Coach Tang. Um, done that too many times. Done that too many times. I uh, plus I don't you know. I was a little more anonymous back in those days when I went. My Q rating has gone down in Lawrence, I would say, since then, you know, pointing out things like the lack of funding for plumbing and things like that. I don't am I hearing now that they're they're trying to trying to like petition the state for like funding on this multi-use trying to claim the football renovation is like a multi-use thing and they're going to try and get the state of kansas to pay for that because those cheap asses can't ever pay for anything themselves <laughs> I, I read something about it but I, I don't know all the details uh necessarily to speak on it but yeah i, I did saw an article about that about a month ago so i'd have to look yeah, into it a little leipold leipold getting that break ground thing in his contract I don't, did he know in the back of his mind it's going to be Travis Goff, like trying to chase down Laura Kelly, you know, or like some, uh, some lobbyist, some political packs, you know, to make that happen, that it was going to be in the hands of, of the, uh, the legislature in the state of Kansas and not actually the, the donors who supposedly love that, that university. Well, look, I mean, look, getting back to Allen Fieldhouse, I was there last year. 
for the game. I don't know why, but why Brett Byer. Uh, I forgot you did that. Why? Uh, well, my guy Brett Byer had tickets like in row five, um, right right across from the K State bench. So I took him, like it, you know, and sat with those guys, and you know, it was. I think that was probably my sixth trip to Allen Fieldhouse, seventh maybe for a K-State KU basketball game since about 07, 08, you know, a lot of times on press row. And then uh, that Wait, one. Well, did you get legit press row or did you get like up in the, you know, pounding popcorn with Jimmy Joe, Joe never... Juco grad that's sitting right behind you up in the stands because that's mm -hmm. how the media seats, you know, go for most of us. Never, never got put up there, John. Always sat baseline right behind the basket. Um, you know, the Manhattan Mercury gets treated with respect in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, so they, uh, one time I sat next to uh, John Adams, who was the head of NCAA officiating, which, you know, that's something right up my alley to get sat next to a guy like that, since I know every official's name uh, in the country pretty much. And I know that always weirds you out and weirds other people out. And I think I, made some people uncomfortable that I remember James breeding the other night when I mentioned the technical on Brian Rowletter and he was the one that walked, you know, got that called on him by breeding and breeding issued the coaching warning to Tang and the Iowa state game. Yeah. I look, I know all the officials names. All right. You come on the court. I'm going to tell you the crew right away. You know, that's just one of my things. So uh, yeah. Ray Natilli had an awful game on Saturday against K-State. I mean, he got booed pretty hard on that block charge call on Desi Sills. Uh, so well, I will say I saw one of our our Jayhawk brethren complaining about the officials being too old after the game in Manhattan, which was a, a, the same complaint that you had. And I was like, oh, I guess old well, look, look, Jamie Lucky, uh, you just watch him try to run up and down the court, start, stop. I mean, it looks like uh, the engine's blowing out. Like he's gonna blow a hammy at some point trying to move out there on the court if they don't get him off. So yeah, he's he's terrible at his job. Can't be refereeing anymore. Like he can't do high level basketball. Did you see John Higgins officiated Cal Stanford that ended at almost midnight on Saturday night and did Indiana or uh, did Purdue Michigan state at 11 AM yesterday on Sunday? No, uh, it's nuts, man. These guys should not have the capability to do all of this with the travel schedules and whatnot. Anyways, didn't mean to get a switch to a. I just hope the lights stay on in Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow. You know, yeah, but what, was delay. what was that? The K State women's game that they're playing. I assume we lost, right? I'm assuming yeah, we did yeah. not win the game. Uh, but the, the lights go out in Allen for what was it like a 20 minute delay or something? You know, it's just that 120 year old wiring in the building, uh, staying up there. You know, I, I do worry for the team's safety. Uh, in Allen Fieldhouse, I just hope they get out of there safely because you know they've don't always want seen the score. They the might scoreboard. Be out the scoreboard flap will fall down on somebody mm, and bust yeah. them in the head. Yeah, could get concussion there. So right, like I swear, if 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 we wind up with someone in concussion protocol, <laughs> well, I hope I hope the trainers <laughs> hope they bring the 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 you know since Lawrence is a Kansas City suburb, I hope they just brought the little injury tent from Arrowhead last night, uh, and they just wheel it over to Allen Fieldhouse so we can have it in case anybody winds up with a concussion there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I mean, uh, hopefully K-State has like a manager or something, hold up the scoreboard thing when they're coming out just to make sure they're safe. You know, you never know what could fall out of the ceiling of that place. I, I do, One of shout out to uh, Mason Voth, our, our buddy Mason. Um, Mason, one of his best bits that he has going right now. And well, to him, I don't think it's really a bit. I'm going to call it a bit, but he keeps calling Allen Fieldhouse the uh, the Wrigley Field of college basketball and and says that's not a compliment. And I'm like, well, 
there is some truth to that. Now I find Wrigley Field very cool, and Allen Fieldhouse is a great place to go watch a basketball game. Like I can't, I can't really hate on the the environment that is there, uh, and there is plenty of history. But it's not a bad comp. It's not. No, a it's, bad a, comp. it's actually a really good comp. Um, look, not taking a shot at the atmosphere. That's the toughest place to play in college basketball, probably. So they, it's absolutely nuts in there. But the building in itself, I mean. You go there once if you're an opposing fan to take it in. That's that's cool and all, but it's uh, it's not all that luxurious. At least to my opinion, you're, you're squeezed in very tightly. It's mostly bleacher seating, so you're looking at mostly bench seating. It's very hard to walk around to get to your seat in there. It's very narrow. Um, like when you're on press row, you have to have people scoot their chairs in just to get around along the court if you're down on the court side seat. So. Uh, for anyone that hasn't been there, you know, it, it's a great, great atmosphere. It's very, very, very loud. Uh, but I question if that place is up to fire code. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that it would pass. I'm not sure that it would pass a, a stringent fire code. All right. We have enough shots in. I think we probably have. Yeah. They, they got a little, uh, there's no, no governor DY to, uh, D.Y. could not serve as the governor on this That's podcast. It, yeah. So, you know, locked in a little bit here. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully Holiday Distillery is okay with that. Make sure you get your Ben Holiday bottle and bond bourbon, your 360 vodka, ready to go for Tuesday. What what tip time do we have for Tuesday? Is it 8? 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus. Okay. okay. Uh, right, it's ESPN Plus, yeah. yeah. With, uh, with John Shambi and Jay Billis on the call on ESPN Plus. I did wow. see that. I was like, that is that is very interesting. Which, first of all, not a not a Jay Billis guy, so not thrilled with that. But uh, second of all, people are complaining. Why is that game on ESPN Plus? That's exactly the type of matchup ESPN wants on ESPN Plus because that's a top ten matchup. It's going to drive subscribers, people to go pay whatever it is to to sign up for the Plus. So that's what they want. They they got exactly what they wanted here with this being on the streaming platform. Well, yeah, and two fan bases that they know are you know diehard fan bases that are going to go pay yeah. for it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not the biggest ESPN Plus complainer guy in the world. So you're not, you're not going to get a ton of that from me. Uh, plus, remember, people, like these, these things were all set up before the season. It's not yeah. like they looked at it and said, oh, we've got this top ten matchup. Let's go put them on. Uh, anyway, it's going to do it for us here in the pod. Appreciate Jed Marshall behind the scenes as always. Uh, for Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another Three Ma. We will talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.